There y'all. Well, that's pretty good. <laughs> that was fun. Um, so I'm teaching on worship tonight. I'm pretty stoked on this because uh, I lead worship, and it's always good to go back and study and find out your biblical foundations for what you're doing. <laughs> you know, I've been doing this for so long, and I did so much studying this past week, well, the last couple of days, because I didn't have a ton of time, that I was like, oh, man, this is why I do some of the things I do. And it was really good just to revisit. Um, I think finding, like, biblical foundations for worship is super important because it helps you to build on what you're actually doing in worship. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to teach this week. Matt's going to teach next week. It's going to be super good. Um, but worship is such an important part of walkout. Like, we've been hammering these things, like, all year, pretty much, of sanctification. And it's probably been overwhelming for some of us. Like, I mean, every week it's like, it's unloving. You're like, ah, oh, crap, I got that. Rejection. Ah, oh, man, I got that. <laughs> like, uh, you could just go down the list and you're like, ah, and it can be really overwhelming. Um, but worship keeps us in a place where we keep our eyes on God and we keep everything in perspective. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pray first and then we'll get into it. So, uh, Dad, we just love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are God who is constantly doing things. You have already done so much for us and you will do so much more in our lives, God. We just thank you for past, present, and future of what you're going to do, God. We thank you for your character for just the God that you are, the person that you are. Uh, we thank you for worship, the gift that it is. And uh, we just pray that tonight that we would learn and build some foundation for why we actually worship, um, give some context for it. And we just thank you that you're going to uh, really give us each revelation. I thank you that each person tonight is going to walk away with something tangible and practical that they can use in their everyday life. Uh, that is going to help them in victory over the enemy and over their battles in every single day life. So uh, just thank you for that, God. I pray that you direct my words, uh, whatever you want to be shared. Um, help me to share it, Father. And we just follow your spirit. So thank you for who you are. Bless you in Jesus' name. Almonds. Almonds. All right. So um, I'm very, when I write my notes, I like to be organized. So I'm going to kind of go over what we're going to talk about. First, so you have an idea of what to expect. Um, so, um, first off, I think worship's the ultimate expression of love and trust for Dad. Mm-hmm. That's really what worship is. is just you expressing your heart and showing that you value God. You value Him as a Father. You value Him as uh, the head of your life. Um, and it's showing that you trust Him fully. And... The more that you trust him, the more you're going to worship. The more that you love him, the more you're going to worship. The more you gain revelation of who he is, the more you're going to worship. Um, So that's just what it is. It's it's an overflow of love and trust in the Father. Um, You know, there's so much to be said about worship. I don't know if you've ever tried to study anything about worship, but it's everywhere in the Bible. (laughs) I mean, like, it's not one of those things that was like, kind of quiet in the Old Testament and then super loud in the New Testament. It's like loud in the Old Testament, loud in the New Testament, loud in the Psalms, Proverbs, everywhere. Like, it's everywhere. So uh, there's so much that can be said. So tonight what we're going to talk about is, first off, what worship is. Like, we're going to talk about, kind of give a definition for it, um, give some context for it, uh, why we do it. Um, And then we're going to talk about what our role is as worshipers. 
Because I believe that one of our life's greatest calls is to be worshipers. Yeah. Is to follow the Father and worship Him in everyday life. And not just worship sets. This goes beyond worship sets and songs, just so you know. I'm sure you know that, but do you know that? Um. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, <laughs> we're priests and ministers to the Lord. That's our duty. That's our job. That's our, our occupation, and it's a joyous occupation. Um, you know, we also want to make sure that we're aware that the enemy does not like worship. And we want to see how he tries to get into worship and keep us from worshiping. Um, and just all the dirty tricks he likes to play um, and try to expose him so that we can fight back and better dive into worship and what it is. Um, You know, there's different types of worship. There's mainly three different types. There's giving thanksgiving, there's giving praise, and there's actual worship. So we're going to talk about the three different things there. And then also, because I love science, and I think that all science basically follows the Bible and proves the Bible, and the Bible proves science. They work together. They're not in opposition. Whoever told you that is just a bad scientist or a bad theologian. So they, they prove each other. They work together. So that's kind of the layout of what we're going to do. So first off, uh, let's talk about worship. What's worship? So I hope everybody's got a Bible, by the way. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Can we get you a Bible? Because i got so many verses right now. Pass them out. Simon needs one. Pass them out. Who needs one? Pass them out. Who needs Bieber? Who else? Who else? Got Bieber. I can't see you. Don't raise your hand. I can't see you. Can't see you. Definitely want a Bible tonight, or else you're going to feel left out. You should feel left out every night that you don't have a Bible. Oh my God. Oh my God. Ron. How was I supposed to? I don't know. Well, the candle was nice for a second. All right, uh, somebody open up to Matthew. All of you open up to Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. Not my Matthew. Not, Ma- not Matthew Ball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it's possible lost looks of the Bible. You can open up to Matthew, verse 1. Isn't it great? Yeah. <laughs> Matthew 22. 36 through 40. I got it. You want to read it? I can if you want. Go ahead. Some of my favorite verses. I love it. 36 through 40. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. Nice. Thank you. Somebody read Exodus 20. Verse 3 through 5. Oh, dang it. Exodus was on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's got it. Yeah. Exodus 20, verse 3 through 5. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Go ahead and read verse 6 too, while you're at it. Mm-hmm. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Cool. 
just wanted to end it on a positive note. Um, <laughs> it's important to keep these verses in context. I think these are very important. These are commandments of God. Number one, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. That is the first and greatest commandment. And the Exodus talks about, do not make any other gods before me. And there's going to be a battle for who you're worshiping. Are you worshiping God? Or are you worshiping the enemy? It's very black and white. There's really, you either choose God or choose the enemy. Um, and God made it very clear. He doesn't waver. He's very clear. Do not make any gods before me. Not your uh, spouse. Not your boyfriend or girlfriend. Not your, you know, friendships, relationships, whatever it is. That does not go before God. Yeah. Your job does not go before God. Do not make any God's before me. This is your prime like job, occupation, is to make God your priority in life. And don't take that legalistically that every second I gotta be ah, ah, ah. like, no. It's a joyous thing. We're gonna walk, talk that through, but um, this is the, the kind of baseline. Um, so worship, worship is giving worth or value to something. When you worship something, you're saying that it has worth to you. You're not going to worship something that doesn't have worth to you. Mm. I, for an example, I love food and I love restaurants. Secret Sandwich Society is the best freaking restaurant in Richmond, Virginia, hands down. You can fight me if you don't think so. <laughs> don't fight me. But their pimento cheese is so good. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. It's homemade pimento cheese. It's better than any. I've, I've actually never really had pimento cheese before I went there. And I went there and had the pimento cheese, and I was like, my life has changed. <laughs> and I've tried pimento cheese after that because I thought I liked pimento cheese, but I don't like pimento cheese. It's just like Secret Sandwich Society, pimento cheese. Um, <laughs> so um, I've been there. I've gone there. I've ordered multiple things off that menu. I know what's good. I know what I like. So when I go through life and people are like, where should we go to eat? I'm saying Secret Sandwich Society. Not that I worship it, but because I know it, because I know I've spent time there, I've gone there, I've tried different things, I know different parts of it, I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. My life's going to reflect it. Yeah. When you begin to know God, when you begin to learn about His character, when you get in His Word and find out who He really is, you're going to begin to talk about Him. Mm-hmm. Your life's going to reflect Him. Yeah. It's just going to be natural. You're going to be like, hey, you should talk to Jesus. It's just going to be natural because you do it all the time, you know. Um, So this is worship is giving worth or value to something. Um, Worship is a heartfelt response uh, that we give to the Father that places value on him. It is not just singing songs here on Saturday night. And keep in mind, I love music. (laughs) I love music. I love singing songs. I think that's awesome. But that is not where worship starts or ends. Worship is about a life lived in sacrifice to who God is and who he's called you to be. You know, the reason we do do worship, you know, we, we love worship here. We put a huge emphasis on it. More than half of our service is worship. <laughs> like, uh, I love worshiping here. You know, I've been to many other churches that only do like the 30 minute worship set and they rush through songs. And I, you know, for, for them, that's good. Like, well, yeah, I guess 
um, I know for us, for like this is so good because we get to spend time in the songs, and it's not just about the songs. It's not about like performance. Like I can't tell you how many times I've sang a wrong note or sang a note that was way too high for me <laughs> or strummed the wrong note. It's not about performance. Like it is just about how like how can I respond to the Father? How can I show Him how much I love Him? Um, Worship is a place where we connect with the Father, where we get to know His character, know who He is. We acknowledge His ways. We acknowledge what He's done. We acknowledge His character. And we simply behold Him. We simply gaze upon Him. We simply be with Him. God loves worship and He's waiting for you to worship. Yeah. He wants you to worship because when you worship, you begin to look like him. He's not trying, he's giving you free choice. He's not trying to force you to be just like him. Worship is so good because you have a choice. God could have made all of us robots. He could have made us all with no free will and just, you know, that everything we did was planned out for us by him. So that we were chosen to love him from the beginning, you know, like... And we, it would have been okay, I guess, but he doesn't want robots. That's not what God desires. Yeah. He wants people who choose him yeah. each day in every situation. Ronnie is laughing probably because he wants to make a joke. He's been hanging around me too much. Just, just keep talking. Calvinism. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it. Yeah, you did. With your eyes, you said it. Um he doesn't want that. That's not what he wants. He's given us all free will and free choice to come and worship him with our lives. To look more like him. So, um, let's take a look at this. Uh, can somebody... I, I got three verses. Who wants one? Who wants one? What you got? Monica, can you do Exodus 19.6? Yes. Uh, who? Savannah, raise her hand. Uh, can you do Isaiah 61.6? And Simon, can you do First Peter verse or chapter two, verse nine? Nineteen six. So we're gonna talk about our our role as worshipers now. What does it mean to be a worshiper? How are we qualified? It's gonna be dank. All right, Monica, Exodus 19.6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Can you say that first part again? And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Can you say the first three words again? And you shall be. be. Sorry, I didn't know there was an and. <laughs> Sorry, first four words. You shall be. Keep that in mind. Savannah, Isaiah 61.6. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourselves. What was that first phrase? But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Nice. You shall be. Okay. So, two verses now in the Bible saying that you shall be named priests. And I, repetition in the Bible is very important. Obviously. So, Simon, hit me with First Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Ooh. That's good. So we didn't even have to wait to become priests like they did in the Old Testament. We are priests. We are ministers to the Lord because of what he's done for us. This is our occupation. This is our job. Do you all know what priests did in the Old Testament? Have you studied it at all? Ronnie probably does, but we don't... I don't count. He doesn't count. <laughs> priests in the Old Testament were the ones who, uh, whose ministry and occupation it was to worship God and to uh, come to God on behalf of the people of Israel and uh, basically be their intercessors. Um, so, if you've read the Old Testament, you know that God demanded blood sacrifices of animals when people sinned. That was how you covered up your sin. If you messed up, you had to go out and kill a certain animal as prescribed by the law and sacrifice it to God and as a sign of repentance to Him. I don't know about you, but I've messed up a ton of times and I don't think I've seen that many animals in my life. <laughs> I don't know where they're getting these animals from. <laughs> like, dog, that's a lot of animals. Uh, that's just a side note that I thought was pretty funny. I was just sitting there like, God, where did they get these animals? He's like, I provide. And I'm like, weird. Um, so there's this, if you read about Solomon's, like, uh, the tabernacle in Israel, the, the tabernacle was uh, the Israelites' camp where they set up and the presence of God was in the tabernacle. So there, there's three different places in the tabernacle. First, there's the outer courts. And there were, you know, sacrifice pits where, you know, the priest would come in and sacrifice on behalf of the people of Israel. They would sacrifice for their sins, sacrifice animals to God for their repentance so that they could be cleansed of sin. There is also a place inside of the tabernacle called the holy place. The holy place the priest would go in and out of and doing pretty much the same thing of offering up sacrifices to the Lord and uh, pleading on behalf of the people. Now, there was also a place, there's a big giant curtain, very thick veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. Now, the holy of holies is where the Ark of the Covenant resided. And if you know anything about the Ark of the Covenant... God was in that box. <laughs> like, don't open that box. You're going to die. <laughs> uh, but that was where the presence of God resided. He was in a box. That's crazy that God, like, confined himself to a box for the people. But uh, there's a lot of spiritual, like, things there. And it all, it's so good. Uh, but there was this person called the high priest. He was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies. He was the only one that could go in, and he'd only go in one day a year. It was on the Day of Atonement to sacrifice for behalf of the people of Israel. And basically, he'd walk into the presence of God on behalf of the people. So I explain all that to you, not as just a cool history lesson, but if you read Hebrews 9, you know, we're not going to read the whole thing, but I highly encourage you to go and read it. Uh, Hebrews 9, you can read 10, you can read 11 and 12, because they all go together. Um, but Hebrews 9 basically um, talks about how Jesus, when he died on the cross, he came to earth, he died on the cross for us. He took all of our sins. Jesus became our great high priest. He went into the presence of God. He is currently in the presence of God right now, 
And if you study anything about the high priest, the high priest wore a uh, uh, like a breastplate that had what's that? Called an ephod. The ephod. Yep. I was getting to that. Thank you. Um, there is an ephod, the breastplate that had a bunch of different diamonds on it, and each diamond kind of signified each of the tribes of Israel. And he would bear them on his chest as he walked into the Holy of Holies. Uh, and there was actually a command in the Bible. There's a verse, I didn't write it down, but it says that Aaron would bear this as the high priest into the Holy of Holies, bearing the people on his chest. Um, <clears throat> Jesus bears you on his chest to the Father in the presence of God. He is your great high priest. He was the blood sacrifice of all blood sacrifices. That's why we got so many animals now. <laughs> that was a dumb joke, but <laughs> uh, seriously, that's like he he went into the presence of God, and basically now God the Father no longer sees us as sinful people, no longer sees us as people with blemish. But he sees us through a lens of Jesus. And Jesus was this perfect spotless lamb. He never did a single thing wrong. He came to this earth and was beaten till he was unrecognizable. Took every single lash, every single bruise, thinking about you the entire time. And died for doing nothing wrong. <laughs> the man did everything right. Yeah. All because of love. To try to bring you back into connection with the Father. So that you could once again enter into the presence of God. Just like it was in the beginning. In the beginning, God created man and woman. And they walked with him in the cool of the day. Have you ever thought about that? That was worship. Connection with God. It wasn't this crazy worship service. They weren't just bowing down. And, like They were walking with him. Hand in hand. Having conversation. Seeing what each other were like. I mean, like, that is the most beautiful picture of worship. Because that's what it was originally intended to be. You know, obviously we chose wrong, Adam and Eve chose wrong, and we would have all chosen wrong probably if we were in the same situation. Not probably, we would have. We're weak. We're strong. <laughs> um, we would have chose wrong, and like, it, it's just, it's a return to what God originally intended. That's what Jesus' sacrifice was, so that we could return to the Father. And actually, Jesus invites us into the presence. There's another verse in Hebrews that says he invites us. I think I've got it written down. Hebrews 10, 19. Somebody, some, let's read this. Hebrews 19, or sorry, 10. <laughs> Woo, I'm getting hype. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Who wants it? I got it. Chelsea's got it. 19 through 22, please. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Boldness to enter into the holiest. By the blood of Jesus. That's like, whoo, that's victory. <laughs> that's so good. Like, and you guys need to read Hebrews 9 and 10. Once again, I will say that again. Because it talks, too, about how 
in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, with the blood sacrifices, people's consciences could never be cleansed. Because they, they, was always, they were always sin conscious. They were always focused on what they did wrong. They counted every single thing and had to sacrifice for each thing and meticulously la, la, la. And they could never enter into the presence of God with full boldness. Because it was never enough. Blood sacrifices were never enough. But Jesus invites us to come into the presence of God. And not only just come into the presence of God, but to have boldness that we can sit at His feet. Ooh, man, that's good. I'll share like my testimony. Um, you know, I think I've shared this so many times, but I can't stop sharing it because it's just so good. Um, you know, when I like first started playing worship stuff, I actually first started playing guitar at like fourteen or fifteen. I can't remember exactly. Um, my dad bought me a guitar, um, and he taught me power chords. I sat there and I was like, I will never learn this. My fingers are weak and frail. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever tried to play guitar, but the first time you like strum, you're like, ah, wow, it doesn't look painful when other people play, but geez. And uh, man, I had this old VHS of this guy from like the 80s who was sitting in a guitar store who played three chords, and they're the worst three chords ever to play together E, A, and D. What? It's, like, super happy, but it's just, like, gross. <laughs> it's not fun. But he just teaches you how to play them, and it was like... <laughs> I would sit there and play that over and over and over. I could hear music in my head. I could hear what it should be, and I had to just teach my body how to. Like, I loved music. I just had a joy for it, and so I started going to my uh, church youth group, and uh, they needed a guitar player, and so I was like, I could play guitar, I guess, and so I started playing acoustic guitar on the worship team for probably six months, something like that, and then um, all I did was play guitar. You know, I loved singing, but it was always confined to, like, singing in the shower, because I was not good, and um, I don't know if I'll put you on blast, Ma, I love you, but my parents can't sing. <laughs> no. I can't sing at all, and they I pass it down to us. She can dance. She's a fantastic dancer. <laughs> she can't sing, though. <laughs> she can sing. She can't sing. But I couldn't sing. I really couldn't. And like, uh, I'll never forget. There's a worship, uh, like a worship service night where this lady came to the church. She wasn't usually there, and she led worship for us. And um, we were doing like an altar call thing, and she came up to me and she goes. I feel like the Lord has given like given you a voice and he wants you to sing a song right now in front of us. Do you have like a song that you know like by heart? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, fight or flight. Uh, um, and I was like, I know one song by heart. It's How He Loves by John Mark McMillan. I love that song. It's still, even though people just beat it into the ground I'll never forgive people <laughs> it's such a good song and it's so well written and it's just beautiful and so that's my favorite song and so I like I was like I could do that one I guess and she was like okay do it and I was like oh my gosh with like the little bit of courage and confidence that I had I stepped up to the mic and sang and Hey, this is just for me. I kind of got on track a little bit, but man, I was all over the place, and 
I was fight or flight the whole time, forgot the lyrics, forgot the chords, and it's four chords. <laughs> like, I, I was stressed, man. And so um, I got through it. Praise Jesus. And um, they were like, people were like, oh, that was so good. And I knew they were just like patting me on the back. And I was like, oh, man. So I went home that night. I wasn't really in like self-pity about it or like beating myself up. I really wasn't, uh, but I was more like, okay, God, if this is something you're like calling me to, then there's a reason. You're not just going to call me up there to embarrass me. Like there is something you wanted to do there. And so from that point on and for about, for about six to eight months intensively, I would go out into, my parents have this big shed in the backyard and it's un-AC'd unheated, unacid, nice. There's no AC, there's no heat, uh, so it just wavers with the winds of Virginia weather. And um, I would go out there at like 10, 11 o'clock at night when everybody was asleep. I would take my guitar, and I wouldn't take any song sheets, I wouldn't take any chord sheets, and I would just play whatever came to mind. I would just play whatever I felt like the Lord was saying. And so... I. At first when I did it, I would be out there for like 10, 15 minutes with like <laughs> Carhartt jacket on, three sweaters, like two pairs of pants, boots, and gloves, like trying to play guitar. I'm like, oh my gosh, just cold and miserable. And so I'd be out there for like 15 minutes and uh, just wasn't that good. But it was all building up to something. And like before I knew it, I was sitting in that shed for like an hour to two hours. Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah. Going from, like, jumping around, dancing, to laying on the floor, wailing, back to dancing, back to wailing. And none of it was scripted. Yeah. None of it was, like, uh, something I read off of a sheet. It was all just pure, like, me listening to God and pouring it back out to Him. And my neighbor yelled at me a couple times, cussed, <laughs> real loud, <laughs> scared the living snot out of me one night I thought he was right at the door he was so loud and I was like and then I was like walked out and I was like no I will worship you're the enemy (laughs) and he wasn't the enemy but um, God honored that and God gave me a voice and I don't think it was just uh, because I practiced really hard because you can practice really hard and never be able to sing I mean you could ask a lot of people uh, I came out of that time and I could sing, and I was. People were like, "Whoa, you got a good voice!" And I was like, "I, I know." <laughs> it's like, ah. <laughs> and like, man, I mean, I would. It just got better and better and better. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm really bragging on God. And I'm bragging on what he's done to me. I'm okay with that. I'm a great singer. I could sing with the the best of them. All right, let's not get too confident. But. (laughs) but, Coming before the fall. That's right. (laughs) Uh, You know, this was a, it's a, God wants you to be a worshiper. And I'm not saying that you have to go through the same thing I did. I think it's going to look very different for everybody. But there's always there's always a promise for worship on the other side. I, do you want to share of the other night when you... Yeah. So I have been going to worship practice because I felt like I was supposed to worship. Um, but I was too scared to lead 
a song actually because I mean it's I mean it's pretty nerve wracking like singing a song and everybody hearing your natural voice. Um, so one day before worship practice, I was like, "Okay, Lord, I just want someone to tell me what to do. I want them to tell me what song to sing, and I'll do it." And I go to worship practice, and Chelsea's like, "I've been listening to this song, and you know who should sing it? Monica." And I was like, "Duh." <laughs> So, and it was a song I sang last week, so... What was it called? Empty, Empty, Empty My Soul. Empty My Soul. So the Helster song. Um, so she told me that, like, three or four months ago, probably, and I just, like, sat on it, sort of in the back of my mind, like, nervous that Cameron was going to tell me to do it any sun or any Saturday. Um, but I knew I needed to. It was just, like, I needed that courage. So a couple weeks go by, and Cameron, and Cameron was like, we can just do it together. Like, we can just sing this together. And it can be a natural progression. So I went and we sang it together and it was so good. I felt so good. And it was just a really like sweet time with Jesus and Cameron. Yeah. And then I sang it for the worship team. And I told them my story of like, I feel really scared to sing in front of you guys. But I feel like I have to. And I feel like I'm coming up with all these excuses. Like I don't want to be in performance and I don't want, you know, whatever. I just want to worship the Lord. And it was just like, okay, we'll just worship him then. Mm. So I sang for them, and it was, like, it was so beautiful. It was just a really simple, sweet, precious time with the Lord. And part of the testimony is Cameron... Well, really quick. Yeah. She's underselling it. When she sang the song, (laughs) Kelsey was in the room. We understood. (laughs) Everybody was just like... Like, Stephanie Stephanie will do this thing when somebody sings real well, and she goes... Yes. And looks at you, yes. and then looks at like somebody else in the yes. room, like, "Are you li- hearing this?" And that was what was going on. And Chelsea and Stephanie like, were just looking at each other, like, <laughs> "What?" It was so good. Oh my gosh! Why is that big cup under a rock? Um. So while I was singing, Cameron got a word, and he was like, "Um." feel like you're gonna like you're singing for the orphans is the word that he got like and you bring the orphans to their father and so he thought that but he knows I love working with kids in foster care and kids going through home placements and things like that so he wasn't sure if it was like a word from the Lord or just like knowing me and knowing that that's a sweet thing that I want to do anyways um but Chelsea no Stephanie brought sorry Chelsea um Stephanie brought this girl with her to her friend um, to worship practice because she was her ride and she um, was really touched by me being vulnerable and me singing that song and it touched her so much she was crying and then she went home and she told Stephanie that she used to be a worship leader she used to sing worship all the time but she had fallen into like drugs and alcohol or yeah. something like that and then um, she like went home and started listening to worship music all night yeah, they were, like, sitting in the car, yeah. li- listening to, like, Tasha Cobbs, and Stephanie said this girl was hanging with, Steph- like, Tasha Cobbs, yeah. which is, you've listened to yeah. Tasha Cobbs, yeah. nobody hangs with Tasha yeah. Cobbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But. So, and the cool thing is, this girl is actually in foster care, or an orphan? She was an orphan. She was an orphan. So Cameron's word that I was singing for the orphans totally lined up with that girl who was literally there and was literally just, like, brought to the throne of the Lord by me being vulnerable and brave kind of all at the same time. 
And so it set me free from a lot of fear, and then I was able to lead it last week and felt, like, totally free of fear of singing in front of you guys. And it was just, like, worshiping the Lord in the secret place led to being able to worship Him in public, which is so helping set people free, which is way bigger than I would ever have imagined for me trying to be brave. Yep. Crucial. I mean, that was so big. Such little steps. Such little steps. It's a, it's a song. Like, I know I'm not, like, trying to downplay it at all, yeah. but it's a song. And, yeah. like, it's just you singing in front of people. That's what you might think. But there's so much when the presence of God is involved. There's so much more than just the song. Yeah. If Monica had never stepped out that night, that girl might have just shown up and left, not touched. Yeah. But, because of one person's obedience... Because of one person's devotion to worshiping the Father and putting their stuff aside and putting fear and anxiety and stress all to the side and saying, I'm going to push through this and I'm going to worship God. This girl went home touched. I don't know if that was, if it's continuing or what, but I know a moment happened that that girl will remember. So there's another testimony. Chelsea, do you want to? Give your... Sure. Okay. So... The, no longer so Yeah. I, I have loads of testimonies from what worship has done for me. I mean, it's changed my life. Um, when I'm not feeling it, I I have to get <clears throat> alone. And I have to worship. Sometimes it's just, just sitting there. Or dancing. Or... Um, so, yeah. This particular night... Um, I was feeling really led to sing No Longer Slaves. And then, of course, Cam was like, Chelsea, why don't you lead No Longer Slaves? I was like, okay. (laughs) So I'm singing it, you know, like, just hesitantly, holding back, like, well... So quiet. Super quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, really quick, just because I think this part would be cool, is the week before that, uh, Chelsea led a song here. It was like a faster song. I think it might have been... Freedom? Or it was of Halls of Heaven. Yeah. And it was so quiet. And that, not this isn't yeah. like shaming her, yeah. but it was just very quiet. I think it was like it didn't go as well as expected. So this was right after that moment. Yeah. So she's still seeing quiet. So. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, just fear comes in. I don't want to sing. What if I mess up? Um, it was just so backwards because like I came from a church where I was never put in the front to sing or lead or be built up with how to even do that. I was always told, well, you're the dancer, so you your ministry is there, even though I knew I could sing. Um, so I, I was afraid to be put out there, but at the same time I wanted to, and I knew I was called to do it. I, I, give, I received visions of myself leading worship, so um, once I stepped into that and I started singing this song, and Cam was like, okay, just, just stop. He's like, I just want you to scream. And I was like, I don't want to do that. He's like, no, just just yell. Like, don't even sing a word. Don't even sing, just yell. And I was like, I can't. And But, like, he just stopped everything, and we were not going to move forward until I did it. And I had to dig really deep and ask myself, like, why I didn't want to scream. And I felt exposed. Mm-hmm. And that was totally the enemy, like, I don't want to fear, did not want to come out. And I felt it welling up. 
because I was finally given that opportunity to make a sound and it didn't want to come out because of fear. So I finally screamed over and over and over and over until it turned into singing, uh, what, what was I singing? I am a child of God! Screaming. Singing it over, like screaming over and over. Like I think I had no voice the next day. And after it was that moment that my life changed. Fear in that way totally left. And it will try to knock on the door, I won't lie. But it doesn't overtake me. It doesn't make me not use my voice. And Cam reminded me who I was. So it, it was a deliverance. But at the same time, it was... Your, what did you say? You said, your voice is a weapon. And your worship is a weapon. And when you open your mouth to sing, the enemy hates it. And that right there... I, I was given a purpose, so... Alright, well, now I've got a purpose. Now other people will benefit from this. And that's what continued to drive me. Like, that people can be changed because of this. And it's not just about me. Um, so yeah, that worship changes my life every day. I, mm-hmm. I have to do it. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that's helped me walk out of things. So. And it wasn't just for being a better worship leader. Yeah, that was not, yeah, I feel like it was not even about that. It was about being delivered from fear. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. This is why we worship. <laughs> Things happen in worship. I'm pretty sure everybody has a moment from worship that you can share, just like these two stories where God did something crazy and you were just like, I just did something. <laughs> like, uh, like, one of the first times I ever got real vulnerable with myself and shared one of the biggest secrets I had held for years and years was at a worship, like, in a worship set, at an altar call. Yeah. And I'll never forget that moment when, like, I had been holding on to this thing since I was a little boy. And, like, it had, without me knowing it, it had tortured me. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it ate me alive. It brought so much pain in my life. It, like, just so much distortion. And I finally had a chance to, like, share it with somebody and be vulnerable and I shared it and they were like they like prayed for me and then he like looked at me and was like go worship bro you need to go worship and so I like went up and just like laid on the floor and just wept and the whole time God was just saying that wasn't me yeah that's not who you were created to be yeah you're so much more than that yeah and like it changed my life I like, I get so emotional now. I cry like all the time. I love it because God's so good. Yeah. That's the heart of like worship is just, man, ah, God, ah, so much greater than my own ways. So much greater than I could ever imagine. So let us proceed. Let's talk about how the enemy tries to distort it so we can kick his buns. Um... The enemy is warring for your worship. Mm. Did you know that in fact the devil himself was a worship leader? Lucifer directed choirs of angels before he was cast down. And Lucifer's main goal is for people to worship him. He says, I will ascend the highest height and become greater than God. That's his goal. That's why he was cast out of heaven. That's why there's a war for your worship. 
Because Satan wants it and God wants it. God's jealous about it. Satan's also jealous about it. He wants it. So, who are we to think that worship is going to be easy? I'm sorry, it's not. It was really not. There are so many ways. I'm not saying this to be legalistic or to build fear. I'm really not. There are so many ways that the enemy has kind of like twisted and distorted worship and like gotten in our heads while we're in worship. Like, how many times have you been in a worship set, in a worship service, like here at church, and like wanted to do something like crazy? Like you were like, I feel this to my core, and I want to dance out of my skin. <laughs> like, I want to do it. Yeah. But your first thought was, that would be weird. Or people are going to think that's strange. Raise your hand. I mean, like, look around. It's almost every person in the room. The enemy is going to sit there and feed you thoughts. Now, we've talked about separation. We've gone over this. He's a beaten enemy. I'm not giving him any power tonight by talking about it. He's not powerful. He's really not. He's a slimy slug. He's disgusting. He has no power unless you give it to him. Unless you hear that thought and you say, that was mine. He's going to try to make you think it's your thought. We've talked about this in separation because it comes in your mind. You think it originates with you, but guess what? It does not. He has a connection to where he can speak to your spirit and try, but man, we could overcome that so easy. Just worship. <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> like, uh, let go of it. He's, he knows how like good worship is. Why? Because he did it. And it wasn't just for a little bit. Like, we don't get to see the history of how long Lucifer was like in heaven for a while, but I think if he was a worship leader, he's probably pretty well established. Right. Probably did a lot of really good things. Probably led worship pretty well. Yeah. Probably knows how important and vital it is. So, of course he's going to try to steal your worship. Because he knows that when you speak, when you use your voice, when you sing and when you dance, when you truly lose yourself in worship, if you were to lose it for him, he can use you for his kingdom. Just the same way that God tells you to sing and worship him. So we have to be careful. We have got to be like looking out for these things. Idolatry is the number one enemy of worship. God says, do not make any other images of me. Do not worship any other God other than me. Do not. How many times, and just like, this is not no guilt, condemnation, shame, has no place in Jesus' name here. But how many times have we turned things into idols? Especially worship in America. Worship in America has become a popularized thing of who's got the best, like, sound system, who's got the best live team, who's got the best lights, and I'm not opposed to that. Like, here in my heart, like, I love, <laughs> I love that we have good producers in Christian music. Amen. That is a big deal. <laughs> I don't know if y'all know, but like 20 years ago, boof. <laughs> There's a big difference between like Christian music and like, 
like regular music, just production wise and all the different like technicalities. But like, so I love that we're getting good at production. Oh, I know. I love live concerts. I don't know if you've ever been to a like a Bethel concert. Mm -hmm. It's not a concert. It's a worship night. We worship mm -hmm. is. Passion. So good. It's dick. Passion. Oh, oh man. I mean, <laughs> like, these things are so good. It's a way different thing when you're, like, you hear the, like, the 808 subs just, like, shaking your chest. And you're, like, you singing, I am a child of God. Nobody can hear you because they can only hear the, like, bass. So you're just, like, ah. Nobody cares. And you're, like, I can be free. <laughs> I love that. But we cannot make it an idol. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. That's not the most important part. Uh, I didn't want to. If worship, we've created a culture and worship that it has to bow down to the other things in our life. We put time limits on worship because other things are more important. We put time limits on worship. Because we're too worried about where we're going to lunch after or cookout after on Saturday nights. And and I'm not I don't want this to be condemnation once again, but I'm just I'm taking an outside look of it and just like I see like the wrong things about this. Like we have pastors that will stand up and say, like, we don't just want you to worship on Sundays. We want you to worship throughout your life. But the example they're teaching is that we put a time limit on worship. Yeah. And when it oversteps its bounds, it needs to be cut down. Like, it needs to be stopped. If you pass 25 minutes, we're ooh, too much, man. You gotta relax. You're being too, like, it's not about that. We gotta order. Order is great. I love godly order. But, man, like, to sacrifice worship? <laughs> well, nah. It's not for me, it's not for this church. I can tell you that right now. I think we're all in agreement. Like, I'll never forget when I first came here and started leading worship with Ron. I looked around the room and there was no clocks. <laughs> I was like, how do I know when to stop? He was like, just keep going. <laughs> Whenever you feel like the Lord tells you you're done. It's like, how many songs? I don't know. How many you think? It's like, wow, what a weird concept. It was crazy. I'd close my eyes. I don't know how long we did worship for the first few times, but I know it was long. And one time I'd let it open the eyes of my heart out of nowhere, and it made Ronnie laugh. And that was one of my favorite moments of my life. <laughs> that was just a quick side note. I don't know um, if you noticed this or not. There's a clock over there now. It's turned around. <laughs> I was giving you a hard time. I disregard it. Speaking of... I'm at about 50 minutes. I still got like half an hour to meet up with some of the other teachings. Yeah. You're good. I know. I know. I'm yes, not worried about it. Yes, I shouldn't talk, should I? <laughs> no, no, no. Mr. Two Hours over okay. here. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Okay, okay. No more, no more. Godly order. Cut it off. Um, worship is a means to an end. The end is worship. That's the goal. Music, singing songs, like all that stuff, that's just the process that we use, the means by which we reach the end of worshiping God. When we begin to prioritize the like process over the purpose, 
that's when we like go all out of whack and that's when we create idols. So I have a very easy solution for all of us. How, how to not make idols 101. Worship is about God. Yeah. It don't matter. I don't care if you go like somewhere and the guy can't sing a lick who's leading worship. You should be able to enter in worship in that yeah. moment. Because it's not about his voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If his voice is so bad that it makes you not able to worship, that's your fault, mm-hmm. buddy. <laughs> like, if the songs we're singing, you don't know them, don't complain about the songs. Listen to them. <laughs> that's not an accusation, Joey. <laughs> we, talked, we talked about this earlier. <laughs> we're going to try to... New songs. Huh? I never heard the new songs because I don't... Well, just so everybody knows, we have a playlist. I listen to it. Yes. On Spotify. On Spotify. And if somebody has Apple Music, I can talk to them and get the same music on there so you can listen to it. I have Apple Music if you want to send me the list. Okay. I'll send it to Ron so that we can have an Apple Music list. If you want it, talk to me. Message me. Text me. Whatever. Like, and I'm not saying you just have to follow it because it's a, I want, I need my follower count up. I don't care about no followers. Sheesh. But. <laughs> That's why we never promote anything. Yeah. Like, it's not about that. What I want you to come into worship and not be lost. But I'm not going to hold your hand and force you. That's not my job. That's not leading you to worship. You have to make a choice on your own, a conscious effort, that I want to worship God. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just come to church and feel like the odd man out because I don't know the lyrics. I'm going to go find that song. You know how easy it is to find songs nowadays? Shazam, Siri. You can pull it up. You can look up, find three lyrics in a song, or four. Jesus, we love you. Look it up on Google, and it's like, Bethel, Jesus, we love you, right there. Wow. Like, you have no shortage of resources to finding out what songs are here. Like, that's, that's a bad excuse. Um... You know, um, so we're not going to turn the means, though, into the end. It's about God. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like, that's why we don't care too much about, like, you know, the, the time frame of worship. Because if God's moving, I, that's why we're here. <laughs> this is what we came for. Like we don't, we're not gonna rush on to the sermon and be like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, hold on a minute. We got like, I got this teaching we got to do. Like I'm teaching on worship. You need to take a seat for a second. Then we'll talk about you. <laughs> no, that's dumb. Um, so let's avoid idolatry, guys, and not just in worship here, but in our lives. <sighs> Anything that comes before your time with God is idolatry. If you can't wake up in the morning, go to bed. I, I'm I'm not condemning anybody because I do the same thing. I was just sitting in the car thinking about it, and I was like, well, I like to play Fortnite. <laughs> I can really only play Fortnite later at night. So I play Fortnite in the night, too far into the night. So I fall asleep late into the night and wake up when it's early morning, and I don't want to, like, read my Bible. Like, and, you know, it, you can look at it as, like, legalistic, but... I, I don't want to be legalistic about reading the Bible. I just want to know him. Mm. I just want to see what he's like. Yeah. And this is his word. His word is who he is. He's right there. Uh, so, like, if you're having trouble, 
Find a time. Your job is not that important. You can find another one. Really? Uh, How many jobs have you had <laughs> not to like pull you out? <laughs> not to like call you out. But I'm just saying. A lot. Because I won't let anything get in the way. Right. And when have you ever been lacking? Never. Never. There was even a season where God told me to quit. And every pastor I talked to was like, well, God would never tell you to quit your job and leave you hanging. And like, I was jobless for six months. And in that six months, somehow money kept magically appearing into my bank account. And in that six months is when I bought Kate's engagement wing, which was several hundred dollars. I said wing. that weird. <laughs> no wing. It is a wing. Her engagement <laughs> ring. It's all the knowledge. And like, it was several hundred dollars. And I don't know how I got that money, but I got that money, was still able to pay the bills that I had and feed my dog and like take care of things. And uh, it was it was just crazy how God provided for me. And then when he put me back to work, he put me back to work with not one, not two, but with three part-time jobs in order to, like, start working again. And, and I was fine with that because as long as it didn't get in the way of my worship to him and my everyday life and, and the ministry that I knew that he had called me to, it didn't matter. So Yep. Did you know that God is not a name? But it's actually a title for who he is. And you know that that title, God, means sustainer. So if God is sustainer, then any idol is you putting your faith in something else to be your sustenance. And it is not your sustenance. If your job, I mean, I've, I've got a good job. I work at Capital One. we got great benefits. I got a cushy salary. I'd sit and talk to people all day. Not nice people, but like, that's my job. It's a good job. If that gets in the way of like me worshiping the Lord or me spending time with the Lord, it's not that important. It's not my sustenance. I could quit my job today, have all my money go out to bills, not get a paycheck. I know God's going to provide for me. Not because that's just what he does and it depends on what I do. Because that's who he is. He's my sustainer. He's my source in everything. So, um, treating worship um, like focusing on the means of worship rather than the purpose of worship is like having a super nice car and like chrome engine, like detailed leather seats all the whole car is just spick and span beautiful it's a trophy and it's sitting in your front yard and it never leaves it's a trophy it's just something for people to look at and a car is not meant to be a trophy i guarantee you when those people made that car they weren't making it for somebody to just sit in their garage they made it for somebody to drive it and there's people that will sit there and like it's their hobby but they will like clean the snot out of it and they will take pride in the fact that this is like a clean car and worship we take pride we prepare for so long practice the sets you know we, we work <laughs> focus on like how we can get everything pristine and like how i can look at make everything look good but we never focus on worshiping the father and connection <laughs> it's not what it was meant for it's not what it was meant for at all so um I'm at 
one hour, let's talk about quick the couple different types of worship. Um, I've got a bunch of Bible verses, so we're going to have to shoot them off. Quick! Somebody open to Psalm 100. It's good song. And then I've got, let's see, how many do I want to do here? One, two, three, four. I have four. Four verses. I need four people. Okay, somebody, I need four more people. Ron, can you do Colossians 3, 15 through 17? Okay. Becky, can you do 1 Thessalonians 5, 18? Uh, Joey, can you do Ephesians 5, 18 through 20? And Corinne, can you do Philippians 4, verse 6? Colossians what? 3, 15. 15 through 17. Say the verses again, please. Uh, which you have Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 18 through 20. 20. Yes, sir. I meant all of them. Okay, so uh, I'll read them over again. Psalm 100, the whole thing. It's like four or five verses. Six, I think. Colossians 3, 15 through 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. And then Philippians 4, 6. First type of worship we're going to talk about is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is awesome, and it's coming up, so better yeah. learn before we just go gorge ourselves and dig. Um, Simon, can you read Psalm 100 for me, sir? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Thank you, sir. Verse 4 is what I really like here. The whole thing's fantastic. Meditate on it, but enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. These are the two ways we approach God here this verse. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Alright. Somebody who's got Colossians 3. Is that Ronald? I do. Yeah. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. To which also you are called in one body. And be you thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Nice. God commands us to be thankful in verse 15, and then He repeats it in verse 17, that to give thanks with songs and worship and praise. Beautiful. First Thessalonians, Mr. Becky? Yep. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What were those first four words? In everything give thanks. Say it again. In everything give thanks. How many things? All things. Every. All things. Everything. Give thanks. Philippians 4, 6. Um, Sorry, Ephesians 5. Sorry, I skipped one. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. Yes, sir. How appropriate this is. <laughs> Given last night. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm, I love that. Okay, Philippians 4, 6. Karen, <laughs> let's pay attention, please. <laughs> You're good. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Giving thanks is what makes your prayers effective. In everything, give thanks. If you're not giving thanks in your prayers, you're probably not going to be effective. Remember what I you pray? Yeah. Very simple. Every prayer should just start off with, thank you, God. Yeah. Even if something hasn't happened, thank you that you are that thing. Because it's calling the unseen into the scene. Ooh, bringing the supernatural into the natural. Nice. I like it. I found a pretty cool uh, study online um, by some American researchers that had two different people set up. They had a group of people who, uh, young adults, who would write down, they would have a, like a grateful journal, a gratitude journal, where they would write down each day what they were grateful for. The other group wrote down what annoyed them every day. And they tested them over a span of a certain amount of time. And uh, so actually the people who were grateful, who wrote down what they were grateful for, showed greater increases in determination, attention, enthusiasm and energy compared to those who are annoyed. Being grateful affects your ability to do things. <laughs> your determination. If you're feeling stuck, give thanks. You better count up what's good. Like, yeah. come on. And be careful how you vent. Yeah. If you, if you have trouble paying attention to stuff, give thanks for the things you're able to pay attention to. <laughs> like, True. It, it, it will increase it. It's scientific. This isn't even related to the Bible. So if you doubt the Bible, then here's your science. And, and go hand in hand. Take that. Uh, there's another study uh, that found that weekly uh, journaling of gratitude improved optimism as well as other behaviors like improved exercise patterns. And ex- they experienced less physical ailments like aches and pains. <laughs> there is a physical tie, there's a physiological tie to this. When you give thanks, your body's going to be happy. You're going to want to exercise. I better start giving thanks because, dog, I don't want to run. <laughs> I don't like running. I'm going to try. So I'll give thanks for, thank you, Dad, that I can run. One day you'll come to the boxing gym. One day I'll come boxing with Ron. They also found that heavy levels of gratitude was linked to greater sleep quality wow. and lower levels of depression and anxiety. Yep. Amen. Huh. Greater sleep quality. That doesn't mean that you sleep longer. It means that your sleep is sweet. <laughs> Man, that's good. And lower levels of depression and anxiety. Don't be depressed. Give thanks. I've been depressed. I can say that. Don't be anxious. Give thanks. It's almost like it says that somewhere. It does. What was that? Was it Philippians? Yep. Philippians. Yep. It's almost like all the things we talked about as far as the different spirits and how they affect our bodies all is proved by science. It's kind yep. of weird, isn't it? It's kind of crazy. Wow. The spirit of self-pity <laughs> is defeated by Thanksgiving. And, yep. You know, when you defeat that spirit of self-pity, you're not depressed anymore. Yep. Go Look figure. at that. Go figure. And all it takes is this simple step of 
spending time in your journal, writing down like, today I'm grateful for blank. And it doesn't have to be this grandiose, beautiful. Nobody's reading your journal. Nobody wants to read your journal. So stop thinking that you're gonna. It's gonna be shown to the world. Like, <laughs> write down what you're thankful for. Today I'm thankful that oh, I shouldn't say that. That's just dumb. <laughs> thankful for good poops. Yeah. When you when you poop and you don't have to wipe afterwards. It oh. just comes clean out. Like, have you ever had? I'm being real. Thank God, That's right? That's called environmental consciousness, baby. <laughs> Moving on. Eat yogurt. Let's talk about praise. <laughs> so, thanking God. <laughs> I have so much fun. Uh, thanking God is acknowledging what God has done and stopping. And saying, thank you, God. Thank you for the, doing this. There actually has to be a conscious, like, mental motion into this. Like, a lot of times in worship, we think we can, like, like with, with speaking in tongues and doing different things. And spiritually, we'd like, our minds will go blank and we just let our minds go. And we'd rather just, like, sit in that euphoric moment. And that's not good. Yeah. God says to worship Him with His, with your mind, with your spirit, yeah. with all of your being. Yeah. So He doesn't want you to turn off your mind and worship. Actually, you're hurting yourself if you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You're hurting yourself if you do do that. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm getting. Uh, it's so like, it's so simple. Like, use your mind. Like, think about what you went through that day. Stop. And give thanks. It doesn't take long. It's not hard. The enemy will try to convince you that it's a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. He's a waste of time. Yo, true. Uh, Praise. Uh, Praise is acknowledging the character of God. So if Thanksgiving is giving thanks for who he is, praise is praising who he is. Like Like his character, his greatness. God is good. Not just because he does good. He is good. He is the embodiment of good. God is love. He doesn't just love me. He is love. God is, you fill in the blank, read your Bible. I don't have to tell you the whole list. Go read your Bible. It's in there. Who he is. And that that will give you a greater capacity to praise him for who he is. I got a couple more verses. Who's Who's got time? Open them up. Ron. Psalm 106, verse 47. Uh, who else? Momo. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Uh, I heard Becky. Um, can you do Psalm for chapter 8, verse 2? And Joey, you're going to do Matthew 21, verse 16. Um, Once again, the verses for everyone so they can write them down. Okay, Psalm 106, 47. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. Matthew 21, verse 16. If you want to write down a couple more, I've got a couple more that I'm not going to make people read, but I'll just tell what happens. Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. Acts, chapter 16, verses 25 through 26. And Acts, chapter 2. 
whole, the whole thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about just finding the verses, but I was like, eh, we should probably all just read Acts two. <laughs> nice. Okay, uh, Psalm one hundred six. Forty-seven. Yep. Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks to your holy name and to triumph in your praise. Triumph in your praise. Praise is your victory. You want to know how to overcome this crap in your life? Like all this stuff we've talked about all year? You better start to praise Him. Uh, Isaiah 61. Verse 3. Um... To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Ooh, man, you are a good reader. Thank you. Um, I lost my train of thought. I, uh, <laughs> um, praise is a garment. Praise is something we put on every day. Wow. It's something you have to wear. Something you have to carry. It's not just like, it's something that becomes a part of you. Sweet. Psalm 8. Verse 2. Yep. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. Mm. Hey, Joey, why don't you read yours real quick too? Because it goes with this one. Matthew twenty-one sixteen. <laughs> and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise? <clears throat> praise from the mouth of babes. Where did McKinley go? <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> you remind me of the babe. Praise silences the enemy. That's what it said in Psalms. It says that the strength of the words coming out of the babe's mouth, the praise is coming out of their mouth. Silences the enemy. Oof. Did you know that the word babes there actually means infants and those who can't speak? Mm. Wow. That's cool. I like that. Would you like to elaborate? Why can't they speak? Because they're infants and they can't talk. <laughs> infants can't talk. They can't say words. No, I got that. They can hear. They can make noise. But like, the, I mean, that verse is saying that God moves on behalf of the praises of infants that don't even know how to voice mm. praise yep. and comes as the avenger to take back from the enemy what was stolen. So like, from the mouth of babes. <laughs> so, I, I guess what I'm saying is, we we can actually formulate our praise so we have no excuse. And if God's going to move that powerfully on behalf of a baby who doesn't know how to praise right. really and doesn't know how to voice how anything, and how much more powerfully will He move on our behalf? All we have to do is open our mouth. Amen. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Open your mouth. There's a lot of things that like... Oh, Kate's got something. What up, Kate? I, I was going to say the, the phrase ah in Hebrew um, is actually a praise. So, um, if you think about a lot of the, the different words that we use, like hallelujah, yep. is, a, is a praise. Um, and why Abram's name went from Abram to Abram. Right. Um, and even if you just think about breathing, ah, and yep. how babies make that noise all the time. Yeah. It's Say, literally ah. God saying, ah, 
giving the opportunity to just breathe in grace. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I, I know a lot of people who, like, and I've been, I've been in this place, too, so I'm not just, like, pointing fingers, but I know a lot of people... Um, who, like, will come to me and say, like, I'm just having a tough time in my head. Like, I can't, like, focus. I, like, have these voices and, like, things that are telling me, like, you know, not like schizophrenia voices, but just, like, you're not good enough or you're, like, this or you're that. Like, and you know that the answer to all those, like, thoughts, like, when you're facing, like, depressive thoughts or suicidal thoughts or, you know, self-sabotaging like thoughts, any of those unloving, rejection, any of those thoughts, just praise God. Mm-hmm. It silences those thoughts. Yeah. You can't think about those thoughts when you're praising. Mm-hmm. But you have to say it out loud because your voice has authority. You're, there's power of life and death in your tongue. And if you're not using your voice and the enemy has convinced you that you're not powerful, and that your voice doesn't matter. And it'll keep you in silence so you never speak life. Do not give him the pleasure of you not speaking. I told Chelsea this that time. It was like a word from God. But like it's just it's the word of God. When you open your mouth and release praise, the devil can't stand it. He hates it. It is like screech in his ears. So if he's bothering you, don't curse him out and get frustrated. You just fall into his trap. Just like, don't beat yourself up because like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking these thoughts. Like, I should be better than this. I do all these different things and I've listened to all these sermons. It's okay. Give yourself some grace. Like, we all have these times of like tendencies of these thoughts. It's going to happen. Just praise. Turn your voice into a weapon. Woo. And it's not just a sword, like it is, <laughs> like it's life and death, but it's not like you're violently swinging your sword and like, hallelujah. <laughs> That'd be real weird, guys. <laughs> That'd be real weird. Like, I could sit here and go, thank you, Dad. Praise you for who you are. You're the creator of the heavens and the earth. You created me. You knew me in my mother's womb. You know the number of hairs on my head. You know every thought that crosses my mind. You love every part of me. You have an original created value for me. And I might not look like it, but you're moving me into that. You're perfecting my faith. Man, I feel good now. <laughs> like, And that took, what, five seconds. It's an easy practice. Um, but you got to practice. Um, practice makes permanent. That's right. Practice makes permanent. It, it literally changes your brain. We will get to that, but it changes your brain. Um, so now I want to talk about worship. So we've talked about giving thanks and giving praise, but there's this point um, of worship. You know, like in the in the Bible, if you look at the word worship in the Old Testament, the word worship always meant to bow down in reverence. But the word worship in the New Testament is actually linked to the word that means to kiss. It's an intimate moment. It's a moment of just beholding, wow, God, you love me. You're my father. 
you're a lover, you are like, you've always been there. And it's just a moment of just like, oh. Those are those moments where you get chills, where you tear up, you know. And those feelings are cool, cool but those are the moments where you just kind of like, it's a, this crazy revelation and you're just at peace in the presence of God. If you haven't experienced that moment, I'll work on that. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Like, we can, like, help you with that. But you want, those are moments you need to, we need to be able to behold God. And just like, somebody, uh, Luke chapter 7, i got another scripture. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I never cease to, like, cry at this story. So... Get ready. What verse? Verse 36 through 50. Oh, yeah. I'll just go ahead and read it because I want to. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed, anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she's a sinner. He thought to himself, and Jesus answered, saying unto him, (laughs) he said it out loud. (laughs) That's funny. Simon, I have uh, somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There is a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they sat at me with him, began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. First off, I love how Jesus just disregards every doubting voice. That's a part we typically miss. That Jesus disregards them, doesn't even pay them mind. Because he has built up such a, uh, like an immunity to it. He's already practiced this before. That those thoughts don't even bother him. Like the dude is hearing other people's thoughts in the room. <laughs> so, like, imagine your worst fear where you can't imagine what people are thinking and you're imagining what they're thinking, and then imagine being able to know what they're thinking. Woo! And he's still like, trash. 
And then this woman just, in his presence, just she comes to him and just weeps. And she just begins to pour it all out on him. They said that box of ointment was worth like a year's salary. That's an expensive ointment. (laughs) And she just said, I get it. (laughs) He's worthy. (laughs) Don't put this on him tonight. Sorry to make it weird, but like, she took an entire year's salary and said, I don't, this doesn't even matter. If like, Man, if we knew how good God was, we wouldn't want to leave worship. If we knew how good he was, man, like, we wouldn't, we wouldn't complain. We wouldn't have reason to. God's just so good. That's worship. Is taking in everything he's done, everything he is, and just pouring back out on him. That's why we come together. That's why we have these nights of where we worship. I love that song, Jesus, We Love You. Because it always seems like we get to that bridge where it's like our affection and our devotion poured out on the feet of Jesus. Oh, man. It's beautiful, man. It really is. This is why we do like spontaneous songs of worship. Um, You know, there's verses that refer to spontaneous songs in the Bible. I don't have them written down, but I can find them for you. Um, I just know from personal experience that God has told me that those personal songs, that's what he wants. He doesn't care what somebody else wrote. He wants to know what you say. Who do you say that I am? And, like, it's not bad that we listen to other people's songs and use those songs. That's, like, fine. Like, I'm not saying don't do that. That's why we always take time to, like, when I say, like, come on, lift you up to your own song of praise. I don't want you to just be loud and I don't want it to be, like, this big feely moment. I want you to have a moment where you're just, like, your life, your perceptions, your everything going on. And your relationship with God just saying, this is my response to you. This is me pouring out my love to you. This is me just like laying it all at your feet because you're so worthy. But you can only do that when you know who he is. You can only do that when you've become like you know his character. So don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet. Because it's a process. I'm still so like, <laughs> I've gone in that deep. Maybe. I'm still a wreck. I cry so much, man. It's awesome. I love it. Um, but like, I cry the craziest things. Me and Monica watched this movie the other night. Sheesh. It was like a goofy old chick flick movie. It was really good. What uh, About time. It's so good. So good. And we sat <laughs> there... <laughs> And we watch the scene. Basically, there's this moment where, like, the main character and the dad are, like, the dad's dying. The main character can, like, travel in time. So he's, like, lived this life where he's able to travel in time all the time. And his dad was able to do it, too. But his dad, 
like is like dying and he's finally ready to say goodbye. So the son goes back to his favorite memory of his dad where they're just playing ping pong and like his dad's like, oh yeah, because he's just in doing regular life. He doesn't know his son's time traveling at the time and his son's like just crying. He's like, you know, I guess I, I just want to like give you a kiss and he's like, oh, I see what's happening. Like <laughs> you're, you know, uh, this is the end of the road I see. Well, let's go back. And they go back all the way to when they, like, he was a kid. And they just walk on the beach. Just the father and son. And they're, like, holding hands and running through the beach. And... <sighs> I don't know if I just inhale here. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, please. Maybe that's the first movie we watch. We should watch the movie. We don't have to time travel to go back. We'll be crying, Joey. We don't have to time travel to go back to the garden. God has promised that for now. Yeah. God's calling us. Jesus, like I said earlier, is in the presence of God. And he's made a way. He's cleared it all out. He says, come with boldness. And he's inviting us to enter that relationship. So that worship is not just coming to church on Saturday night and worshiping super hard. Or church on Sunday morning and worshiping and having a good song set and all this stuff. But it's actually just living life in like hand in hand with them. Everywhere you go, you're like... Dad, what do you want to do today? Yeah. Like going to work and having him on your mind. <coughs> He's a best friend. Yeah. He's the best friend. If you would give him your ear. Amen. If you would spend time, if you would try. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to wrap it up. Um, God wants us to voluntarily worship him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want us to involuntarily worship him. It's not the goal. Uh, Worship is the beginning of your breakthrough. It's the birth of your purpose. And it's a transformation, leads to transformation back into who we were created to be. Um, Somebody read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. This is the last scripture I have, so. (laughs) Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Thank you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect, and the perfect will of God. transforming back he's changing the way our brains think I found this study I'm going to read this to you because it's it's kind of wordy this is the last thing I have so we are almost there but this is like let's freaking go um, <laughs> there is a study by Andrew Newberg, a radiologist who created the fMRI brain imaging uh, technology. Basically, fMRI is like a, a scanning of your brain. It gives us, we can basically see how your brain reacts to things. And just from putting a camera up on your head, it's super cool. Uh, so it, he, fa- he did a study that proved that the brain strongly responds to worship. He directed his participants to send, spend 12 minutes a day in active prayer, conversations with dad, That's not what he called it, but that's what I called it. And compared them to a group of people who did nothing. So there was a couple things that happened. So I'm going to give you these. They're big words, so don't get overwhelmed. I'm going to explain them. 
There is a significant increase in the volume of the cingulate cortex, and there is also a substantial decrease in the amygdala's fear response, leading to a decrease in the activation of the hypothalamus, which controls fight-or-flight symptoms. So let me go over what that means. The increased volume of the cingulate cortex. Um, this cingulate cortex actually controls your capability, not only your capability, but also your implementation of being an empathetic person. So having empathetic thoughts towards people and empathetic feelings toward people. Because of this increase, the frontal lobe no longer has to try to do these things, but it actually becomes instinct the more you do it. Because your frontal lobe controls executive functioning, motor control, stuff like that. So it begins to learn new things. Huh. You know, there's actually, it was like a myth that like after a certain age, your brain stopped growing. And that is absolutely false. Um, so the more that this becomes instinct, the more your amygdala is kept in check. The amygdala automatically defaults to self-preservation and self-awareness. So let's talk about what the decrease in amyg the amygdala means and the fight-or-flight mechanism. So this decrease in the fight-or-flight activity, fight or, do you all know what fight-or-flight is? Yeah. You start sweating, you're freaking out, you're like, ah! <laughs> ah! So... The decrease in the size of the amygdala leads to a decrease in fight-or-flight symptoms. This decrease in fight-or-flight symptoms actually results in a decreased blood pressure, heart rate, blood sugar, glucose levels, and other things. The decrease also has measurable decreases um, in depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and even PTSD. <clears throat> Um, actually, today, many psychologists have began to incorporate prayer as a part of treatment plans for many disorders, even non-Christian therapists, because it freaking works. Go figure. Um, the decrease of the fight-or-flight symptoms also leads to the activation of the frontal lobe, which contains the processes of attention and intention. So worship actually increases your ability to be self-controlled, your ability to focus, and your ability to be disciplined. Ooh. You can say that again, please. Please say it again. <laughs> Alright, I'll say it again. i got to find out where I was. The decrease of the fight-or-flight symptoms also leads to the activation of the frontal lobe, which contains the processes of attention and intention. So worship increases self-control, focus, and discipline. I don't know about y'all, but that sounds pretty good. That sounds like the Bible actually works. Go figure. Self-control. Um, Self-control, focus, and discipline. Thank you. Yep. So, um, that's all I have. Um, nice. Ooh, nice. Um, good times. Um, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to ask me. Um, if you want like a copy of my notes and like links to those studies that you can read them, um, I can get those for you as well. Um, they're super cool. But I, like, I just want to encourage you guys like do your own study on praise and worship. Like, don't just take my word for it. Like, my word's really good because I did a lot of studying. But don't just take what I say as truth. Bye, Ashley. Bye. <laughs> I know. Don't just take what I say as truth. Amen. It's, it, figure it out for yourself. Amen. I'm not telling you how to think. Teach yourself how to think. Let the word of God teach you how to think. Have a mind for yourself, so study it on your own. With that being said, 
I love you guys. Love you. And amen. <laughs>